Well, let's make another confession. <clears throat> Glory to God. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. I will meditate in it day and night on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening, Monday through Friday. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch will turn to success. Do you all believe that today? Amen. Father, we thank you for this, another opportunity to minister unto these, your sheep. We know that not one word from you is void of power. So all of us agree together as touching this service, this message. We believe to receive revelation knowledge flowing freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We believe together for utterance in the Holy Ghost that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips your indelible word. We believe to be doers of your word and not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. But we thank you in advance for good that comes as a result of this. In Jesus' name, all agree with that prayer said, amen, amen. God bless you. You all may be seated. <clears throat> with me, if you would, uh, to the book of Acts chapter 20, Acts the 20th chapter and the 24th verse, we're continuing, possibly getting close to the end of a series that I've been on for a number of weeks called Faithful to Finish, Faithful to Finish. The title of the message today is Stay Until You're Finished. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Stay until you finish. My wife and I, we have two little boys, if you're visiting. We have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And uh, they love God. They love church. But like all other four- and six-year-olds, they like to play. And sometimes we might be doing some homework, doing something that we're supposed to be doing. And they want to go and they want to play. And my wife or I will have to tell them, no, you have to stay until you finish. Somebody say it out loud. Stay until you're finished. Amen. Paul obviously is nearing the end of his life. And there were some things that were prophesied that were actually really concerning. But he said in verse 24 that none of these things move me. And not only that, my life in this world, I don't count it dear to me. You could say, like the song said, to him, nothing else mattered but finishing his race and finishing the ministry that he had received from the Lord. If you're born again, 
There's a race for you to run. There's a God-ordained plan, purpose for your life. But not only that, there's a ministry for you to fulfill. You may not have a ministerial calling to stand you know, as a pastor of a church or, uh, you know, a teacher in a class or, you know, an evangelist, etc. But every person that's born again has a ministry. The word ministry is really fancy. It just simply means a service. There's something you're supposed to do in the service of the master, the Lord Jesus. In the kingdom of God, you have an assignment. Well, nothing else mattered to Paul. He said, I don't count my life in this world. What matters is me finishing. Is anybody focused on finishing over the last nine weeks that we've been on this? We received a prophetic word for this year, this season, that we as a congregation are to focus on finishing what God started in us, his plan, his purpose. I can guarantee you, people leave here every day and they all think, I think so many, think they had more time. That they more had, had more time to kind of finish, uh, to do, they, so many. Think about it, those people in Turkey, those, those people in Syria, they woke up that morning, they went to bed that night, by the tens of thousands, I can imagine they didn't think that the next day would be the end of their life. All of us need to focus on finishing. It's never too early to start thinking about how you're going to finish up. It seems like the older I get, the faster time seems to move. Amen. And you look back and you think you had more time. So the Lord's been talking to us about it. And I want to challenge you through this message to stay until you're finished. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says it another way when he was writing to Timothy. He was focused on finishing. He talked about finishing his journey, his race. This time I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. In the New King James it says, I charge you, Timothy, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, watch this, who will judge the living and the dead. At his appearing and his kingdom. Look up at me for a moment. God is known as the judge of all the earth. Jesus along, along with him at his side, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul charges Timothy. And he says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus who are going to judge everybody. Do you realize one day you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ? I'm going to have to give an account of what I did in this life. One of the messages in this series was only what you do for Christ will last. It was a song way back. I think Commission sung it in the 80s. You know, only what you do in this life for Jesus Christ is going to last in the end. Everything else won't matter. It doesn't matter how long you worked at AT&T or IBM or, you know, worked for the city. 
Come on, it doesn't matter how many houses you were able to live in and the cars you were able to drive. It doesn't matter the vacations that you were able to take and that your family was able to enjoy, how much money you made. None of that. You can't take that stuff to heaven when you die. They don't take, they don't hook up U-Hauls to hearses. Say it out loud, only what I do for Christ will last. And when you think about the length of eternity in comparison to the lifespan of humanity, I would say it's a drop in the bucket, but the drop would evaporate before it hit the bucket. Come on, what is a hundred years in comparison to five billion years? It's quiet in this church. So in our lifespan, we have this opportunity while we're alive to accomplish God's will before we step off into eternity. Paul says it very clearly that Christ, God and Christ will judge everybody that's alive when he appears and those that have already died. Judge them for what? What did you do about what I told you? I called you to do this. Don't be like most people who never find out what they were called to do. I believe my assignment is to help you. Amen. Jump down to verse number five. Um, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse five, it says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Watch this. Fulfill your ministry. Say it out loud. I have a ministry. One of the things that Paul challenges Timothy is to fulfill your ministry. Finish it. Make full proof of it. There is something you're supposed to do in the kingdom, and I'm going to help you identify it. Praise God. Keep reading. He says, fulfill your ministry. Why is he telling them this? He tells us in verse 6. Fulfill your ministry. Why? Because I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Why? Because the time of my departure is at hand. Why? Because I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race and I have kept the faith. What is he saying? Because I recognize how important finishing is, I want to encourage you to finish your race. Focus on finishing. Fulfill your ministry. Do what it is God has called you to do. There are people in this room right now, I sense it by the Holy Spirit, and there's people that are online, like me, that from the time that you were a child, you knew the call of God was on your life. There were youth services that you would attend, church services, and there would just be this unction in you. Um, Ministry was always very attractive or it just drew you and and especially when you saw somebody doing something that you connected with we don't have a whole lot of time it's winding up y'all and so god is taking precious time in our services to challenge you to focus on finishing, the series that's coming right after this is going to help you find and identify God's plan for your life. We're just setting you up. 
He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. To everybody that loves him like I love him. Amen. How do I love him? I love him more than anything. How do I love him? I'm more than, I love him more than anybody. And that's how you get there. Verse 9. He says, be diligent to come quickly. Why? Because, verse 10, Demas has forsaken me. Demas left me. He was a partner with me in ministry. Now, Timothy, I need you to fulfill your ministry. I need you to come quickly. We've got work to do. There's a sense of urgency. Demas left me. Why did Demas leave Paul? I mean, Paul was one of the men that was most greatly used in all of humanity. There's Moses, there's Abraham, there's, of course, Jesus above all. But Paul was greatly used by God. How could somebody leave Paul's church, so to speak? (laughs) It tells us. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he has departed to Thessalonica. This guy named Crescens, he departed me and went to Galatia. That's Turkey. Titus, he departed me and he went to Dalmatia. So, Timothy, I need you to come quickly. I need you to help me. There's work that needs to be done. In talking about finishing, Paul points out here a few people that didn't finish with him. They left him. I'm going to show you today that it happened in Jesus' ministry, but for Jesus, they left him by the thousands. The pandemic did some real damage to the church. And I'm not just talking about faith family church. I'm talking about to the body of Christ. They say that anywhere from 15 to 50% have not made it back to church since the government shut down churches calling them unessential. For faith family, we're probably at about 65% that have returned, and it's been three years since the pandemic. What happened? Where did all of those people go? Not just in this church, but worldwide. I want to talk to you about that today. In Matthew chapter 9, essentially you could say they've not only not returned, but they got off course. They were on a path. They were in a place. They were on track, but they got off course. In Matthew chapter 9, notice verse 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is as plenty or plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Oh, 
This passage came to me so clear, and I really want to minister it to you, minister from this, because of what we're supposed to see today. My assignment today, it's like one thing I want you to get from the Lord. My assignment today is to show you from the word that your church is a big part of your life's purpose. I got a few nods. I'm waiting. I got a yes. Oh, I got an amen. So let me say it again. This is so critical. Your church is a big part of your life's purpose. Your family, absolutely. Big part. Has a significant part. Your work has a significant part. But your church has a big part in you, your life's purpose. Your church is the entity through which you are to fulfill your calling. Your church is the entity through which that you're supposed to fulfill your ministry. Again, if it is that only what you do for Christ will last, where is Christ's body? It is the church. So significant part of your life is tied to your church. Your involvement with your church is how you demonstrate that you love God more than anything else. In Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35, Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, when you talk about multitudes, you're talking about thousands and thousands of people. Remember, Jesus fed the multitudes. How many were? There were 4,000 in one occasion, 5,000, not counting the women and the children. When, when the Bible talks about multitudes, he's talking about thousands of people. In one stadium, there will be 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people gathered. When you go through an airport or at the mall, how many of y'all know you see people by the thousands, right? But notice... When Jesus was ministering and connecting with people by the thousands, something moved him to the point of almost tears. Great compassion. What does it say? He was moved with compassion because they were weary. Oh, they were what? Weary. Remember, we gave you seven things. If you visited, please go back and get last week and the week before. Over the last two weeks, we gave you seven things that will call, that would be hindrances to you fulfilling your life's purpose. One of them is you loving something else more than you love God. Another waits. Another sin. Another losing focus. Another is weariness, another is discouragement, and the last that we looked at was bitterness, the stumbling block of bitterness. When Jesus saw the multitudes of people, it moved him with compassion. Why? Because they were weary. Weariness, excuse me, is a big deal. It'll cause you to quit. 
Not only, and, and you can bring in all of the other seven things into this one. They were, they were, you know, in sin. They were weighted down. They were loving other things more than they loved God. They were discouraged. They were bitter. You could go through the entire list. But whatever it was that he saw, it moved him with compassion. But also he noticed another thing. And this is so pivotal to connect these previous messages to right now. Not only did he see them weary, but he also saw them scattered. Well, come on, Jesus. There are thousands of people. They're everywhere. Of course they're scattered. Have you ever met somebody and they just seem to be like all over the place? I mean, I know I was looking at you. I wasn't talking about you. Amen. How many of you ever felt like you've been all over the place? I mean, I'm going to do this. Well, no, I'm not going to do this. Well, I'm not going to do this. No, I don't want to do that. And then how many have ever started your day and there were certain things that you wanted to do and you got bogged down, you got locked up doing one thing, and you just all over the place. Well, I'm doing a little bit of this, and then I did a little bit of that, and they're all over the place. How about people that are spiritually, oh, man, I'm preaching good right now, spiritually. All over the place. I don't think it was just physically. And when you look at the body of Christ right now, God's sheep, God's sheep, scattered during the pandemic, dislocated. That's what we were talking about. Discouragement. It'll get you dislocated. You were joined to this church. You were a part of this assembly. You were faithful in that attendance over there. You were connected. But then all of a sudden things shut down. And it wasn't just a week. It wasn't just a month. And then when you were able to go back to school, people weren't going back to church because I might get sick going to church. Are you kidding me? Look how quiet I got when I said that. The thought that you could get sick going to church, that for me is like wild. You're supposed to come to church. Come on, yo, help me. Am I in the right place? You're supposed to come to church to get healed, not to get sick. That means the body of Christ had more faith in the devil's ability to make them sick than God's ability to keep them well. Man, I'm preaching good today. The body was scattered. But notice what he connected it to. He was moved with compassion because they were weary. Why were they weary? They were scattered all over the place spiritually. Why? Because they didn't have a shepherd. Like sheep, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. Who is your pastor? The same is true today. I'm going to use Brother Ken. He's our bass player as an example. And uh, I met him about six months ago. And the more I get to know him, the more I love him. Plus, he's really good on the bass. We, we, we hired him to play bass for us. But just because he's here doesn't automatically mean that I'm his pastor. I want you to think for a moment. Who is your pastor? Who's going to preach your funeral when you pass? Who's going to dedicate your children when they're born? 
who's going to celebrate those moments with you through life. Every sheep needs a shepherd. Just because you're attending this church doesn't automatically make me your pastor. And when you lose or don't have that connection, it will affect the fulfillment of your life's purpose. I'll say it again. Your church is a big part of your life's purpose. So when you leave your church, you leave your path and God-ordained purpose. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? To millions, really, he is Savior, but not Lord. He has saved them from their iniquities, but he is not the Lord of their life. See, the word Lord means master ruler. It means that I go where he tells me to go and I do what he tells me to do. I follow him. Is Jesus your Lord? Then you're supposed to go where he tells you to go. You're supposed to do what he tells you to do. You're supposed to follow him. Brother Keith Moore Uh, He was an instructor at Rhema Bible Training Center. He pastors uh, churches now and has a ministry greatly influential in my life. He taught me this over 25 years ago in ministry school. He says, when it comes to the Lord, you go where you're sent and you stay where you're stationed. Say it out loud. Go where you're sent and stay where you're stationed. In the military... They've got posts in Hawaii, but they also have some posts in Alaska. When you enlist, you go where you're sent. Oh, y'all got to help me now. And you stay where you're stationed. You don't get up in Alaska being like, oh, man, it's cold. I'm from the south. I ain't. Uh, my blood is too thin to be up here. Man, don't they have a post somewhere? In a, yeah, man, I want to go to Hawaii. You get on a plane and go to Hawaii talking about, all right, I'm here to serve. <laughs> you absent without leave. Say it out loud. Go where you're sent and stay where you're stationed. So what gives you the idea that you can just go to any church that you want to go to? Amen. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you to do? If the Lord says A and you do B, then it means you love you more than you love him. (laughs) Because you're doing what you want. You love what you want more than you love what he wants. Uh, Brother Terry's here. I know he could probably lead in this song. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. I got my war clothes on. Y'all remember that old song? I want you to imagine that to be true for a moment. Are you? Because if that's the case, then go where you're sent. 
and stay until you're finished. Don't leave just because the church is in a different neighborhood. Don't leave because your group of friends are going to another church. Don't leave because somebody rubbed you the wrong way. Where did he tell you to be? There's a God joining that takes place. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ, Jesus. No one entangles in war, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this, of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him to be a, to, to be a soldier, or in who enlisted him as a soldier. In the army, you can't just decide to go wherever you want to go. You go where you're sent, you stay where you're stationed. And so it is in the kingdom of God. In Jeremiah chapter 3, I'm trying to rush because we're out of time. But in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, I'm going to take my time with this, so just bear with me for a moment. In Jeremiah three fifteen, he says, God says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So every sheep needs a shepherd, right? Notice what God says about this relationship. He says, all right, you've come to me. I've become your father, your heavenly father. Now I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart that are going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Whether they have a choir or don't have a choir. Whether they have a singles ministry or don't have a singles ministry. Whether they have this or whether they don't have this. It wasn't about coming. Whether it's 15 minutes far from your home or not far from your home. Whether they have or what. No. He says, I am going to give you a pastor according to my heart. Not according. How many of y'all know you didn't pick your parents? You had no say in that equation, right? And in the same way, you shouldn't pick your pastor. I didn't get no amens on that. Let me go back here. You discover the gift that God has given you. Like I said, just because we've hired Brother Ken doesn't automatically, it would be presumptuous for me to assume that I'm his pastor. Just because he works here. You know, it's just like you sitting in a in the garage. That don't make you a car. <laughs> that just means you're in the garage. Just like being in a church don't make you saved. You got to confess. Come on. You got to believe, right? And just because you're in a part, a part of a church, that doesn't automatically mean that that person is your pastor. Who's your pastor? Who's watching? Who's going to give an account before God for your life? That's a very precious relationship that you should cherish, and it's tied to you fulfilling your life's purpose. So when you get dislocated from where God has called you to be, you're off the path that he planned for your life, and it can prevent you from finishing what you've been called to do. Look at 1 John chapter 2. I know these are bold statements, but this is serious. 
The sheep-shepherd relationship is supposed to be a lifelong relationship. The sheep-shepherd relationship is supposed to be a lifelong relationship. Even if you move to a different city, how many of y'all know there still should be a tie or a connection? Amen. He said, I'll give you pastors according to your own heart. In that next city, he's going he's gonna to connect you. And, of course, if you left and left a city because you wanted to make more money, because your job or your family wanted to live in a different part of the country, and you didn't go because God told you to go? Oh, it's getting quiet in this church. Y'all are looking at me like, please, Pastor, be finished with this message. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse number 19. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went, not sent, they went out that they might be manifest that, they, that none of them were of us. Say it out loud. When you come to faith family, you become family for life. This really is supposed to be a God-joined, lifelong relationship where we together do ministry and fulfill life purpose. We're family for life. God really intends to, to connect you where he wants you to be, to connect you to a vision that aligns with his plan for your life. My calling as your pastor, if I am your pastor, is to help you fulfill your life calling. That's why, literally, I've taken nine weeks to pour into you about focusing on finishing that for which you have been called. And now we're about to embark upon a new series that's just strictly designed to help you identify God's plan for your life. My calling is to help you find and fulfill God's plan for your life. That's what I was put on the planet to do. Somewhere, your church family is somewhere where you can partner with your pastor to carry out the Lord's work in the earth. Demas left his partner. Why? One of those other seven things. He loved something else more. Something else tripped him up, held him back. In Mark chapter 10, Verse 21 and 22, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. But this guy, verse 22, he was sad at his word and went away. He did what? He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus has given this man an opportunity to partner with him in ministry. But he loved something else more. And he went away. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're stationed. He walked away from an opportunity to partner with Jesus' ministry. I know this is a hard saying, but it brings to bear the importance 
of this God-ordained relationship. And John, not only was that an individual, there were whole groups of people that did this where Jesus' ministry was concerned. In John chapter 6, verse 66, you know that's the devil, John 666, come on somebody. <laughs> In John 666 it says, then G, um, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Many believers did this during the pandemic. They went back. They went back to their old way of life. They went back to their old way of living. They got disconnected from church. Disconnected from the place that God had planted them. Yes, God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but much more as we see the day approaching. The government said, church is not essential. Stay home. Don't get sick. Many people loved one more than they loved the other. How many of y'all can see that? What will keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life? Loving someone, something else more, weights, sins, losing focus. Come on, somebody. Weariness, discouragement, bitterness. All of those things in your life are designed to disconnect you. I can't tell you the number of times where I've ministered to marriages and, and, and different ones through different churches. And because of a divorce, both parties leave the church. You know, it's kind of awkward, you know. The pastor doesn't lose one, he loses both of them. I can't tell you in 20 years of ministry how often that's happened. Things happen to get you dislocated from where you're supposed to be. And obviously, Satan is uniquely involved in that. Ah, I got more message than I got time, so I'll just stop. Man, oh man. Can you come back next week? Somebody said, I might not want to come back next week. <laughs> this guy, if you're gonna be if you pastor stand gonna be on this message, I'm skipping next week. <laughs> stand up on your feet. Oh man, we need more time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say it out loud. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're stationed. I want you to bow your head for a moment. And I want us to reflect back to that question, especially if you're visiting here today. Actually, this is for all of us, from the pulpit to the parking lot. Who is your pastor? That's a precious relationship. It's designed by God to help you fulfill the path and plan for your life. I avail myself to you, to receive you, to be a pastor to you, to do as the scripture says, to watch for your soul. I'm willing to do my part. But this is 
a discovery that you have to make. This is a decision in your heart. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed in prayer, I want everybody to pray this out loud. Say, God in heaven, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this message. And I'm asking you today to confirm in my heart, reveal to my heart who it is that you have given to me to be a shepherd in my life. I am your sheep, but I thank you for the shepherds that you have given for me. And by faith, I receive your direction. I receive your instruction. I will go where you send me, and I'll stay where you station me. You're not just my Savior. You are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I believe by faith. Any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraid if not. I pray this will be a message that you'll never forget and that you'll never be like those multitudes, a sheep having no shepherd. Find a good church home. Discover who it is God's given to you as a gift. And I know your life's going to be better because of it. How many of you all agree with that? Come on. How many of you all are excited about that? Amen. Amen. But peradventure, you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. We don't want to dismiss or end this broadcast without giving you that opportunity to make him Lord over your life. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I want you to pray it out loud, mean it from your heart. I'm asking the congregation, amen, to pray, pray this along with me. And if you say this for the first time or if you're dedicating your life to God for the first time or, again, to, to him, it'll, it'll be just as you do. Amen. Say this out loud. God in heaven, I come to you today to give you my life. I do believe that Jesus Christ, he is your very own son. He died for me, bearing my sins for me. They put him in a grave, but I believe he is alive. He is risen. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for all of my sins. And I accept your offer of forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for saving me according to your word. I am forgiven. Now I forgive myself in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together. Congratulations on making Jesus Lord of your life. And as you heard in the message today, do what he tells you to do. Don't just call him Lord, Lord, and not obey him. Obey what the Lord tells you, and we know you will experience the blessing. Well, that's all we have for today. If you are visiting today, I want to meet you at the Welcome Center. I don't want to take much time. I do want to shake your hand before you go. So stop by. Of course, if you have children, pick them up before you go. 